Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillah. Dear brothers and sisters, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And welcome to the Ilm Feed podcast. Uh, today I have a guest who I'm really looking forward to speaking to, especially with some of the events that have just recently been happening, you know, in Gaza, in Palestine. I know that all of our hearts are with our brothers and sisters in Palestine. I have with me... Alhamdulillah, Sister Lauren Booth. Assalamu alaikum, Sister Lauren. Wa alaikum salam, rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. It's great to see you again, sis. How are you doing? How's Finchley? Alhamdulillah. Uh, I'm I'm in sort of northwest London, not Finchley, but I've got relatives there. So yeah, it seems to be fine. Um, But subhanAllah, like uh, Lauren, I know that like, we haven't really kept caught up much ourselves mm. with, you know, like personally uh, about some of the things that have been going on um, in Gaza, in Palestine, in, in the occupied territories. Um, but how have the last, how, what have your reflections been in the last few weeks? You know how it started? It started with, because uh, I've got obviously I've got friends in in Gaza and friends in Jerusalem, and um, so it's the the day before uh, Ramadan. I said to my husband, "You know, there's going to be bombings. We've just got to be prepared for it and kind of uh, give support as we can." And lo and behold, really, you know, yeah, we knew that. But the, really? because this is not a new Why? thing. Uh, because it because mm-hmm. every Ramadan you speak to people in Gaza, they're like, oh, "We look. It's to t- it's as if as if the Zionist." army want to take away the joy and sweetness of Ramadan from the people of Gaza. Now, of course, before that, we also had all of the amazing, um, you know, then we had the build-up, the Fridays, the Juma prayers, the attempted, um, you know, expulsions of families in Sheikh Jarrah. So things were already bubbling. So uh, as somebody who follows this closely, you go, yeah, well, you know, the people, Gaza's going to get it. And then, When was and the then, last time? Yeah, Sorry. Hmm. No, no, carry on. You you're saying and then? No, so I was just gonna I was just gonna say so. So so then you know there's gonna be a build up and you know that the, the Eid is gonna be either destroyed or clearing up because that's how it's been for years. It, this isn't a new thing. So I, I guess I just wanted everybody to kind of for all of us to kind of acknowledge the lack of newness here that Palestinians, although hmm. we might be seeing it in a different light, which is really deeply exciting, I think, for everybody um involved. And, and the people are gathering together. It's really exciting. It's being seen through a new lens and a new framing. It's not new. Uh, people might misunderstand what you mean by exciting. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I would say my, my emotions over the last few weeks have been anything but exciting. Um, I've been crying on the sofa. You know, yeah. I've, had, I've had my moments where... Subhanallah, the images, just the images that, you know, our poor brothers and sisters, well, or I should say our strong brothers and sisters, mm. but also the, the children, you know, the images of children being ru- pulled out of rubble. Uh, I think there was one very powerful image, uh, the little girl with a doll with just rubble, you know, her yeah. doll a gift from Eid with the just rubble all around her. Like my little daughter, who's 10 years old, um, happened to come see that picture um and she said she couldn't sleep you know um you know what i i think the thing is i think i think most of us have cried every single day 
every day. And then yes, there's this build-up of absolute fury. I did find myself in kind of, uh, actually it's in the last few days since Ramadan, of thinking, what can I throw off my balcony? I want to do like, a, you know, a Rolling Stones. I want to get a TV or something really heavy and just lob it into the street. because. And then I thought, Auzubillah, go and pray to Raqqa. What is going on? Because, yeah. you know, it drives you to this to this. You know, this is where 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 Islam trains us as Muslims to be to be reflective, not reflexive, mm. and to really think about how are we going to be effective here, because because that yeah. that that nastiness is what the enemy does, and it is not us, and I and I never I don't think for any of us have we had to dig so deep into our deen in order just to get through, um, you know right. what's been what's been going on, because it's extremely painful. Um, the, I think the pain is exacerbated by the feeling of helplessness. But I guess, what can you tell us why why you're talking about excitement? Because I think I know, but just to kind of yeah, because this time was a bit different, wasn't it? Yeah, you know what? I feel uh, I think there's a lot of activists who who kind of feel like we got this album. 20 years before you lot and now you're all saying it's your favorite album you know there's a little bit of that going on about about you know we've been calling it apartheid for years the palestinians have been right. calling this out since 1972 um they've been they've been saying to the, they've been going to the united nations they've been asking the media to respect them they've been you know so so sorry lauren um, can you can you just repeat that again because you froze for a moment you said palestinians well, Palestinians have been, have been calling out this apartheid since 1967. Uh, they've been going to the United Nations. They've been demanding their rights. They've been listing the, the, the crimes. And, you know, there have been pockets of external resistance of activists and groups saying, trying to uh, be advocates and allies. And nobody was listening. So why, why did I use the word excitement in amongst death and debris? Because this is different. Mm, can you taste it? It's like a really nice. It's like a really nice chocolate with a tang at the end. It's like, mm, this is great. This is good stuff. We're going to do this. We're going to drive this through because people are listening. And um, we can go into this a bit deeper, inshallah, in this. But yeah, it is exciting, and we do feel strong because there's been a sea change, right? Like uh, whether it's uh, celebrities, whether it's uh, even politicians, I felt like this time around, um, there were many more voices that were willing to just say, you know what, this is apartheid. You know, this is oppression. There's no justification for this. This is wrong. This is occupation. We're watching occupation in front of our very eyes and we're allowing an entire country to get away with it. SubhanAllah, you know, Allah's planning is perfect. And, uh, you know, Hassam Zumlot, who's the uh, British ambassador to Palestine, yes. he's been smashing out the park and he makes Amazing, it very yeah. clear. He makes it very clear that, you know, Black Lives Matter has played a big part in setting the groundwork for a new understanding of what white supremacy looks and feels like. And I was speaking mm. to my husband last night and I was saying, you know what, I think as a, as a white European that we've become kind of used to, to questioning ourselves a bit now, like, hmm, that feels a little, like I was a, a little bit racist there. Was I, was I just a, hmm, <laughs> a little soups on a racism there? And, and we've had to start questioning ourselves. So when something else big comes, we're like, oh, this looks like, smells like, tastes like what we've been dealing with and had to ask ourselves. So it's like this big groundwork that's been going on through the suffering of, uh, of black people in America. 
uh, and globally has set the groundwork for the for the white power base to then reflect on ourselves and go, well, are you saying Jews can't be white supremacists or they are or but this really look kind of looks a bit like that. So I think all of this work that's been going on for the last, you know, you know, year particularly has really made a, a new framework possible. SubhanAllah. Um, before we, um, <clears throat> we're going to talk about the oft-repeated phrases during this, whenever something yeah. flares up in Gaza, right, or in Palestine, um, we hear these oft-repeated phrases, and uh, we're going to talk about them in a moment. But before we do, uh, can you just share, and I want to share as well, like your experience, just a glimpse of your experience especially the last time maybe you went to Palestine? I think what's... What I, is it I, like I, for people who haven't been? You know, you know what, what every like? time for me it's been different. I went in 2005 as a mm. journalist to the West Bank. I went in 2006 as a journalist to the West Bank and Gaza, 2008 as an activist on the free Gaza on a boat, 2009, alhamdulillah, with Viva Palestina, um, which was a, a road convoy, oh, yeah. you might remember. 2009, I, remember, I, went, yeah. by, I went by bicycle, cycling from Amman, mm. Um, from Amman to Jerusalem with my daughter with peace cycles, subhanAllah. And then 2009 as an activist, 2011, 2012 as delivering aid, 2013 delivering aid. Every time has, every time has felt different <clears throat> and there have been elements that are the same. I think in, in 2005, the first time I went, sis, what really struck me as someone who's only known an exceptional amount of freedom um, in their lives was checkpoints. 2000, the first time I went, it was all about checkpoints. And that was because there was, um, it was uh, the uh, first uh, national Palestinian elections for the PA. And I was with Chip Carter, Jimmy Carter's son, um, on, uh, you know, with, with a group. And he was checking out the freedom of movement that was supposed to be allowed for the Palestinians. Because if you're in Bethlehem and you're supposed to vote in your birthplace of Nablus, normally, that may not be possible, but they had to free up the roads. You had to be able to go, vote, and come back. Well, of course, that wasn't that was that was not happening as it should be happening. And I just remember the sort of the fury, the the, the humiliation. I mean, Nablus is a horrendous checkpoint where, you know, it, it's like you're a, you're a, you're a cow. You're just herded in. I'm Erez checkpoint in two thousand and six was one. I don't like to use the word traumatized because you can't in reflection to what everybody over there goes through. But I was shocked. I sat, I sat mm. for 12 hours, 12 hours. No, I sat for 10 hours at a checkpoint, um, watched a, a lady in a wheelchair be humiliated and refused exit to go and get, uh, to go and get her, um, to go and get an operation in America. I watched members of the PA, the newly formed Palestinian authority sitting there, you know, humiliated. It was like, What's going on here? And then, when, when you when you say anything, collective punishments. A, a man with a with a walkie-talkie goes, "Yeah, they're not going to go." Yeah, okay. So we'll shut the whole checkpoint for four days. Hang on a minute. There's somebody else who needs. So, in other words, if you don't shut up, right? When there's an injustice, we're going to punish everybody else for you not shutting up because we caused an injustice. So you. So I, I really got a sense of you know collective. Punishment, which is illegal under international law. But, and that's just right. you know, what yeah. we're talking about is known as Israeli exceptionalism. Why are right. laws applicable mm. everywhere else, 
but not in Israel. And this is what really, I think, has people continually scratching their heads and thinking it can't be that bad because otherwise it would be criminal. You know, it's almost yeah, it's true. too, it's too true. awful to believe. You've it's got too to, bad you to be guys, true. guys, yeah. you Muslims, mm. you activists, you've got to be missing a very intelligent piece of information here. Because if and this that's is true... Why, and that's why they keep saying, well, it's complicated. I need to look into it, you know, because <laughs> yeah. they literally yeah. think, it can't be that bad. Like, oh, we it can't, can't be, be that allowing this stuff in. Simple. Yeah. Mm. Mm. yeah. Uh, and it quite, it quite literally is that simple. It lit it's, it's, it's apartheid, as you'd recognize it, with, with, yeah. with checkpoints and different uh, allowances, whether it's building a house, whether it is access to, to, to healthcare and medical care um, and um, civic facilities within um, Israel, um, Palestine 1948, whether it mm. is literally your right to travel and move about uh, as, as outlined in international law. And, and of course, the, the determination that the occupier must pay for the occupation. And Israel's never, never had to do that. The EU, the EU or charities, international, um, international um, organizations pick up the bill. So it's, it's the cheapest, longest occupation in modern history. Subhanallah. Um, so, so Lauren, I just want to share with you, you know, um, there's a, there's a, uh, near Sheikh Jarrah, there's a neighborhood called Isawiya. Okay. Mm. And when I was, uh, 16 years old, <clears throat> I was in Egypt and I had this map of the Middle East on my wall. And uh, one day I woke up, I was just staring at the map and and I realized how close Jerusalem was to Egypt. Right. And mm. I said to my friends, like, oh, my God, I could go and pray in Masjid al-Aqsa. And they were laughing. They were like, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, you know what's going on. And uh, But I just got this just very strong feeling that I wanted to go. And this is in 1996, 97, right? Um, and so myself and my sister, so two Brits and two American sisters, African-American sisters, we got on a bus, basically, and went on an eight-hour trip to Rafa, the Rafa border, okay, and then into Jerusalem, from there to Jerusalem. And it, we arrived there in the middle of the night. Um, and what happened was we were lost. We, you know, we were just being uh, very carefree and slightly naive uh, teenagers, I guess. And we just wanted to, we were just like, we want to pray in Masjid al-Aqsa. Alhamdulillah, they allowed us in very easily, maybe because of our passports and you know, and maybe the climate at that time. Um, but when we arrived, uh, before we went there, a lot of brothers and sisters were telling us, don't go because, you know, you're going to be basically helping the Israelis. You're kind of acknowledging them. There was like a fatwa mm. at the time that, you know, nobody should even go there. Right. Mm. But we did our own research. And I remember, rem I remember the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu that awesome. don't, don't make effort to go to any masjid. Don't make any spirit, spiritual journey, you know, except three places. Uh, mm. Masjid al-Haram, his masjid, the Prophet's masjid, and Masjid al-Aqsa. And I thought to myself, wow, the Prophet ﷺ would not have said that if Masjid al-Aqsa was not so, was not immensely significant, right? Um, and that's what kind of drove us to go. And when, I, when we arrived, we were lost. And um, subhanAllah, when we first arrived, there were some Jewish um, youths 
who were just walking on the streets. This is 3 a.m. in the morning, by the way. And one of them literally started yelling at us. This is in Jerusalem, outside Damascus Gate kind of area. And he, start, he started shouting at us, Arabs, Arabs, you deserve to die. <laughs> and we, we were like, this is too uh, cliche. You know? <laughs> but mm. that was literally our welcome to, to you know, occupied Palestine. And then one of his friends came over to us and uh, he said, excuse me, you're not Arabs, are you? You're, and we were like, no, we're American and but we're Muslim, you know, we're British and American, but we're Muslim. And he said, look, I really want to apologize. So, so we saw that both of those sides, you know, like the kind of more peaceful side of um, Israelis and then also the very kind of aggressive side. But anyway, the, the long short of it is that in the middle of the night, a guy just comes out of the blue in a taxi, Abu Sa'id. He sees us and he says, what are girls like you doing in the middle of the night on the street, you know? And he was really worried about us. And he said, listen, uh, we said, we want to pray in Masjid al-Aqsa. He said, you're too late. It's too late at night now. But what you've got to do is find some accommodation. He said, look, I've got a sister. We live in Jerusalem, East Jerusalem. Um, and she lives by herself. Come and stay. Hmm. And we had to make a split second decision. We agreed. Uh, I don't know if we were foolish, but... You know, that's one of the great things about being young, right? You just make these decisions. And it was the, one of the best decisions of our lives because we ended up staying with them for 10 days. Wow. And Abu Sa'id, this angelic man, you know, subhanAllah, he fed us, he uh, provided whatever we needed. He got us to phone home to our dads, you know, like because he was probably thinking our dads were worried. Um, mm. He himself had daughters, so he invited us to his daughter's wedding, this is East yeah. Jerusalem. It's so beautiful. It's such a beautiful, such beautiful people, wonderful yeah. people. And I think Isawi is one of those um, neighborhoods, you know, like Sheikh Jarrah, that Muslims, that the uh, Palestinians are being so-called evicted, right? And so I, I really, I really feel for them because I haven't been to Gaza, but I've been to Jerusalem and I've lived yeah. in Jerusalem for a number of days um, and I just I, I can't imagine what it must be like for them to literally be driven out of their homes that they've lived in for generations and you know homes that are theirs and land that is theirs under international yeah. law subhanallah and land and what, what always uh, strikes me when I go is the love for the land the love we love the soil mm. I mean I remember uh, when we were, were cycling through the West Bank in 2009 and we got to um, Bila'ain. Now, Bila'ain is, is a, a wonderful, tiny little village, really, um, by the wall, which is resisting so that they can keep their crops and their land because it's the separation of uh, checkpoints for farmers. So not only have you got um, jeeps coming in in the middle of the night and grabbing your young men from their beds and terrorizing um, the sisters and the children, what you've got is a deliberate effort so that the farmers cannot get to their planting areas, cannot get to their animals, so that things die. Oh, well, the, you obviously, and, and you know, and then they have weird laws like if it's untended, then it goes to the state. Sorry, mm. it's not yours anymore. It has, it, it, clearly, it was scrubland. It's like you literally stopped me for six months. But, so there's all that going on, but um, just getting there and um, 
and seeing the people's love of their land and they're getting them to they, they talk about the earth and the trees the love of the olive trees seeing seeing the people picking the olives and sitting there under them as they must have done for thousands of years um Bila Ain actually stayed in my mind a lot um yeah, stayed in my mind a lot, actually. Uh, a young uh, brother, member of a family there, was just shot in the head um, a couple of days ago. And, um, you know, what struck me where there was how resistance looked. So we were invited to do a watch on the roof at midnight for an incursion. And then you'd get on your walkie-talkie or a phone and you'd call the other people and you'd warn the families so that they could at least be dressed. You can't do anything else. Not, you know, and, and that there was a husband there who, just because he went on Friday protests, hadn't slept in his house for seven years so that his family wouldn't have uh, the pain of, of, of being disturbed in the night because the army knew he wasn't in the house. It, you know, so much destruction of the natural order of things mm. and so much love yeah. and so much love and so much welcome. Yeah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran that he blessed that land and the land all around it as well so subhanallah and we know that our prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he traveled there in person we don't believe it was a dream you know the isra and miraj it wasn't just a dream it was he was one of the miracles was that he was physically taken there um and it was our first qibla right um i mean i just want to highlight all of those things again that subhanallah you know even umar bin al-khattab when he came to jerusalem uh, when Muslims conquered Jerusalem, uh, and you know the when the keys were handed over to him, uh, he was very peaceful. You know, he he wanted each of the religions to be able to practice freely there, uh, to the point that you know when he was invited to pray in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, he said, "No, I won't, because if I pray here, the Muslims later they'll destroy this church and build a mosque on it." You know, because they'll say. Our cave prayed here. So he actually went a little bit further away from the church and prayed. And uh, actually, there is actually a mosque there now, which is the mosque of Umar. Um, but that whole area where Masjid al-Aqsa is, and Masjid al-Aqsa is obviously not just the Dome of the Rock and the, the Masjid Qibli, I think it's called. Uh, it's that whole kind of space. It was a rubbish dump when Umar bin al-Khattab came there was not being kept, wasn't being looked after. And it was Omar who got it cleared up mm. uh, because they knew that this is this, the, the land of Masjid al-Aqsa, right? Um, so when I first okay. found what was happening, I was, I was um, a Christian, non-Muslim, who was passionate about human rights. And I was amazed, for example, to mm. find out when I went to the Holy Sepulchre to pray as a Christian that Muslims, a Muslim family still holds the key because they are hugely respected oh, there yeah. as the protectors of the mm. most holy Christian sites. Allahu Akbar, that really blew my mind and made me think, I don't really know a lot about this Holy Land stuff. And our connection is, boy, when you see 100,000 people turning up at Fajr prayer in Ramadan, and even the day after, I mean, I was in, I'm sure we've all been amazed by the actually, the meaning of steadfastness. You know, you read the word steadfastness so many times in the Quran, the one who's steadfast. And we always apply it to our rather, you know, sometimes serious, but mostly rather paltry problems. Oh, I'm going to be steadfast with this problem. No. The meaning of steadfastness in this day and age, I'm telling you, 
is is in Alexa in the area around it. Subhanallah. The day after, there have been stun grenades and rubber-coated bullets shot into crowds. 100,000 people still turn up to pray, would you? I, I apply this to us. I'm thinking about there was a problem with a Manchester mosque where the imam was falsely accused of something. And everybody went, oh, I'm not going because the police might be watching. Oh, a little bit worried. And a few of us kept going like, where is the steadfastness, guys? This is your mosque. Mm. Masjid Al-Aqsa is different. Mosque, and yeah. the people who've been chosen to live around Masjid Al-Aqsa and be their protectors are different. That's the meaning of steadfastness. Allah Akbar. Yeah, and I want to say to brothers and sisters out there that when you do get a chance, do go and visit Masjid Al-Aqsa. You know, make it... Because I remember when we when we were going in, people were telling us not to. When we actually got there, the Palestinians said to us, no, you've got to keep no. coming because when you come here, the Israelis know that you care. The Israelis realize that actually this is a massive ummah out there that mm. actually cares about this masjid, right? Um, so, yeah, I think um, a lot of Muslims have been avoiding going there, I think, uh, like even as a place to pray and as a place to visit. But I think all of us need to make it, you know, one of those things that we we aim to do. So Boy, what you're afraid Lord, of is actually imagine imagine being Shaheed in Masjid Alexa. That's it's cool. It's amazing. Alhamdulillah. What's wrong with that? Yeah, my, my daughter when she saw me crying one evening and I was just you know, it's just too much looking at all the images yeah. and the the news. Um touchingly she came over to me and she said, Amma you you do know that they're shaheed. You do know that they're martyrs and they've gone straight to Jannah and that they're actually happy right now. Um, and she said, and Allah will deal with the people who hurt them on the day of judgment. <laughs> Subhanallah. And I just thought, you know, of course we know that, but it took my daughter to kind of just bring me back to the reality of it, you know, Subhanallah. Um, and And that's how we've got to, Look at these things, I guess. Uh, Sister Lauren, I'm going to mention the, I'm just going to mention a few of the oft repeated mm. false statements. And I think these are going to be timeless because probably if this is ever in the news again, they're probably going to be repeated again, right? So I think it's good for, for brothers and sisters to hear, you know, what are these statements that we keep hearing? It's almost like a script, isn't it? <laughs> it's like the it Israeli embassy handed them. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's two, there's two things here. One is, one is yeah. that the Israeli embassy does have it, obviously has its own script and it has a right to that script and it propagates it absolutely brilliantly so far. Not so much these days, I'm afraid. Ooh um, mm. But the other thing to remember is that we're in, in, in TV studios, that the job of the journalist is to put the other side's view to the guest. So right. when we, you know, I, I believe me, I spend most of my time shouting at the telly we're a house of journalists here. It's like, you guys, what are you? Um, but we acknowledge that there is a framework that they have to, 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 to work right. with. So uh, yes. you watch um, a Krishna, a Krishna Guru Murphy, um, mm -hmm. you know, on Channel 4 asking Hassan Zumlat ridiculous questions. He has to do that. But here's the thing. Yes. Listening to the answer takes respect. And what we haven't heard before now is, yes. is a, a kind of like, oh, we're going to actually sit and respect the Palestinian side as having a real veracity. And then, of course, there's, there was many times when the Israeli guest was given a very light run. Oh, we're just doing this defense. Oh, never mind. 93 children dead today. Let's move on. Uh, you know, that, that's when the journalism Why? breaks down. 
Why do you think it is that this time around, I don't know why, it just felt like either the Palestinian uh, spokespeople were a lot more eloquent. I don't know. Was it that they were, was it, what's his name, brother? Has, has, Hassan Zimbabwe. Yeah, so there's a couple of things yeah. going on here. Uh, like or were they said, listening better yeah. now? I don't know. But it just felt like more of the arguments were being heard. Or was it the activism that put it into, it, into the news? You, you, you've listed a couple of really, you know, some of the points there. That number one, we, mm. we talked about Black Lives Matter and the fact that, that uh, non-Muslims are reflecting on themselves and saying, oh, a little bit, little, little bit kind of white supremacist uh, feeling going on here that I've I've learned to be uncomfortable with. So a little bit of training people to be a bit more conscious about what they're hearing and, and watch out for, hang on, a child with a stone gets mown down by a tank. Is that fair? Rather than going, <laughs> yay, white people. Um, so so that's been part of it. I think, um, I think better representatives has, have definitely mm. been part of it. And I think the absolute unavoidable nastiness of you know just charging in in the holiest month of the year and thinking you right. could, and throwing stun grenades into a crowd of people and lots of images of people praying and being kicked while they're praying. And of course, citizen journalism, citizen journalism, right, exactly. the, the, social the, media, the, the, the mighty smartphone sort of being there. And I think it being a lot more um, organized. So, so, so one of these oft repeated media phrases you're going to hear is Israel has a right to defend itself. And one of my kind of right. shouty, shall I rip the TV off the, off the wall and throw it over the balcony moments in the last months? was um, when a Biden spokesperson, mm. uh, Weasley's type of person in, in the White House, was said, so, um, you know, you say that Israel has, you know, that, that, what do you have to say about children dying in Gaza? And he said, Israel has the right to defend itself. That was and the we, answer. The journalist just went, okay. Um, so we're talking, you do know we're talking about Gazan children now. Do you accept that killing children is bad? And he went, couldn't find he couldn't bring word. himself to say it he couldn't oh. bring himself to say it that that non-jewish lives in that area children's lives have the same weight and this is israeli oh. exceptionalism so 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 keep pushing the question are the palestinians not entitled to self-defense and remember that under international law unoccupied people have a right to self-defense so right. the fact that Gaza remains under Israeli blockade and military control, it can't be overlooked. And here's the fight. 75% mm. of Israeli citizens believed today that the bombing of Gaza and the deaths of children are the right thing to do. So when we speak to that 75%, you're, you're racist, you're fascist, you're, murder, you're, you're, you're approving the murder of children and you need to, you need to look at yourselves. And I think this, this it's, now is not the time for, for you and me to self-reflect. Now is the time to, to really drive through that, 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 that this has to stop because the Israelis are not going to stop this. In the same way that without external pressure, South Africa would still have been an apartheid state working closely with Israel, by the way, who offered them at one point a nuclear bomb. So go figure. Right on May the seventeenth, Amnesty International condemned Israel's continuing assault on Gaza. What did they call it? They said that Israel displays a shocking disregard for the life of Palestinian civilians by carrying out airstrikes, doing what? Targeting buildings and, in some case, killing entire families. We are not going to what other here. We are very clearly and only at this time talking about Palestinian lives. You know what? That's okay.
Sister Lauren, another one of the uh, oft-repeated statements is that Hamas use, or, or the Palestinians use children as human shields. Yeah, and I think we can kind of um, extend that into Hamas is the problem. And right. it's really, really important to know that Hamas didn't, wasn't voted into power until 2006-7, okay? Israel had a compliant Palestinian authority that it was dealing with, and it still killed kids, and it still um, arrested at some point more, I think it's something like three quarters of the male population um, of uh, pa Palestine have been inside an Israeli prison at some time, throwing a stone, being in the wrong place at the wrong time, not having a permit, whatever. They just chuck them in jail just to show them uh, just for a bit, and then they then they they are tortured, and then they are maltreated. So remember, when when you hear Hamas is the problem, that this has been going on since 1948, and uh, Hamas was created, I think, in the 1980s. So again, you can you can wipe all of that away. Um, Subhanallah. Um, and also, I think it's that's just so dehumanizing. Do you know what I mean? Like. Um, the idea that a people use their children. And, and I think that's part of the whole narrative, isn't it? Of uh, talking about Palestinians as if they're not normal human beings, you know, like they're, they're so bloodthirsty and anti-Israel uh, anti or anti-Jewish people. I mean, this is the narrative, right? That they are willing to sacrifice their own kids in order to, you know, to... I don't know, to drive, what do they say? Drive them into the sea, right? That's, that's another one, by the way. Yeah, that's that, another um, well, but, but sis, we've got to remember that, that here's something else as well. That I think Hamas has something like five to 10,000 active members and there are 2 million uh, people in Gaza, the majority of whom, I think it's something like 60% are under 14 years old. They've never voted for anybody. Um, now, the, now, you know, mm. and, and I've been saying for, I've been saying since um, 2009, that um, Gaza is actually a concentration camp, okay? Because the definition of a concentration camp is a people who are rounded up and kept in difficult circumstances without any access to freedom of movement or the liberties, um, you know, under enshrined in international law for creed, political views, um, or, or race, color, or faith. Definitely, yeah. Mm. Another oft-repeated false statement uh that condemn the rockets do you condemn the rockets <laughs> that's another oh, one you yeah, kept hearing right one. yeah do you condemn again, the rockets do you condemn, you condemn so the so focusing on the reaction mm. right yeah yeah exactly um and not mentioning the provocation somebody mm. said in one of the interviews i watched someone said let's just do the numbers who's actually dying here and then look at who's sending the rockets. Um, uh, you know, Israel mm. prides itself on being the fourth most armed military in the world with nuclear capability. And, um, you know, the, the, the smart weapons that they can see an ant moving across the ground. And yet continually mm. they can take out three, 10, 15, I think a couple of days ago, 22 members of the same family, none of whom were in any way um, active or, uh, you know, and then again, you know, I don't even want, want to take that, you know, that line of what they weren't Hamas, you know, targeting the homes 
of a Hamas official who works in the education ministry means that you are saying it's okay to kill the wife and six children of someone who works at a ministry. All right. Why is exactly. that okay? Dear God, yeah. I've met these families. Yeah. I know. Well, how dare yeah. we dehumanize them for, for the man they fell in love with, who works, by the way, as a paper pusher in, in, in a ministry which has now been blown up. No, no, no. We have to go back to the beginning and really be very clear. Um, another oft-repeated, uh, you know, some of the chants. Let's, let's, that, let's, uh, we, yeah, go on. Sorry. You know, some of the chants that uh, that Palestinian activists say during, uh, like, uh, protests and stuff, uh, from the river to the sea, right? Palestine mm -hmm. shall be free. I heard that one being, you know, completely kind of demonized in the news and people saying, oh, that's basically driving Jews into the sea, right? Um, <clears throat> Well, the point is, I think that the point to highlight there is, I guess, that, <laughs> subhanAllah, you know, Palestine was a country that existed. And I think this sometimes is not being mentioned, that Britain, right, especially Britain, as a uh, colonial power, literally took Palestine and gave it to a third party, right? Yeah. Um, mm. And so... It is unjust. It is an unjust. Uh, it was an unjust deal. Uh, they they actually promised it to three different people, I believe, and then in the end they kind of gave it to the Zionists. Um, but this idea that Palestinians should not want their right of return, they should not want their land back, the houses. I mean, the, the so-called evictions—they're not recent, right? Palestinians were thrown out of their homes, their, their lands taken over by force all those mm -hmm. years ago, right? This is just an extension and a continuous, continuous kind of uh, encroachment, right? It's not, it's not a new thing at all. So it's important to highlight that. They have a right to want their land back. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing to add. That's a great summary. Yes, I, I, I think I think I, I think it's really important to to look at some some good news here. And, and I think, um, yeah, you know, it, it, that's a tough thing to say. But but the Palestinians themselves demand that we stay positive. You know, I, I, I remember, right. mm. you, you know, going to, to refugee camps as an untrained uh, you know, correspondent who had no idea what she was doing and thinking, oh, I'm wanting to cry from the first second because there's children living on the rubble of their home in tents. And if you've never seen that, it's really shocking. And I had to, like, take my, my, my nails and dig them into my hand and make myself smile because they don't need our tears. They need, yes, our du'as, but they need our strengths. And they need us to, to be to be active and, and not to give in to hopelessness, which is from shaitan as well, subhanAllah. And there have been, you know, bright spots. I mean, Kuwait, did the world miss this or what? Kuwait has proposed 10 years in prison for anyone caught supporting Israel. Oh, my God. I mean, did really? you hear that in the news? No. Amazing. SubhanAllah. I had to check it two or three times going, in fact, I've got it open here because I have to read it again. Kuwaiti government announces 10 years jail fine for those who support Israel. 
the Kuwaiti government has announced 10 years imprisonment and a fine of 5,000 dirham for those who support Israel in real life or on social media. Allahu Akbar. Now, wh why this is shocking to us mm. is because um, Kuwait has said we are part of the Ummah. So every country has its own treason laws, right? So in America, they had the Patriot mm. Act, right? Mm. So so this all-encompassing right. yes. anti-terror law. If you, if you tweet anything or you, you make a statement that uh, is in any way seems to 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 um wish violence on america you're going down for a long time yep. but this is different because it's not about mm -hmm. if you speak about out about against kuwait you're going down oh, no. you yep. speak pro-israel because we are one ummah you've, umma. you've, you've hated us and i've never seen that before allah akbar congratulations so i Allah think there today. has been yeah, so I think there has been an awakening for, like, you know, even the OIC when they had their meeting. I mean, it was a bit sad that that's all they did really have a meeting, right? But just that kind of awakening, especially, I think Masjid al Aqsa has that effect, doesn't it? Like, subhanAllah, Muslims, I do feel that there is this kind of feeling amongst the Ummah that we cannot allow this to happen. And I think it was the Turkish minister who was suggesting that there should be a force that is sent over to Palestine, to Gaza, to militarily protect the Palestinians, you know, made up of people of, of military from different Muslim countries. Let's see what happens. Amazing. Um, I mean, you know, an, an yeah. international protection force. Oh, that would be I great. The United Nations, wasn't there a thing called that? <laughs> which, which kind of had yeah. that. We don't want them. Actually, we don't even want the United Nations. Um, Sister Lauren, you sent me some uh, videos of uh, Palestinians celebrating in the last yeah. day or so um, after the ceasefire. Um, can you like tell me why would there be victory celebrations? Uh, you said that they were in Jerusalem, Ramallah and Gaza. And, and other places too, but, but specifically Jerusalem, Ramallah. Mm. And Gaza last night. Oh, my my uh, WhatsApp was full of friends holding their phone and fireworks going off and chants, "Free Palestine, victory!" It was like Eid. In fact, it was totally a delayed Eid uh, all across the Gaza Strip. I was crying, you know, from 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. People just overjoyed, shouting, "Victory, victory!" Now, for us outside, we might be thinking, "What victory?" You you've yeah. just got in loss, line, of life. You, you, loss of life, whole districts gone, um, all of your infrastructure back to the Middle Ages yet again, and uh, a lot of a lot of trauma to to repair. This is a sad time. It's just because you know from outside we're saying, look, it's a ceasefire. We, you and me, and everybody watching this, we need to keep going. But for the people there, they see it differently because they haven't gone, and nobody came in. You know, all they, they, by uh, they're still standing, you mean? They're still standing and they're still praying mm. and they're still able to laugh and celebrate and feel this huge, overwhelming love for the land and determination. That is their victory. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. You know, this is, this is the, the, the sakina that Allah Ta'ala gives. And we have to, we should understand that, that their victory is staying put that their victory is, you know, gathering and saying, 
you know, you, you drones, you didn't beat us. You haven't broken the back of, of the joy that we're going to have and, and the determination to stay on our land. And today, oh my gosh, again, from 11 p.m. last night until dawn, you know, the, the, the wonderful scenes um, of people flocking to the Al-Aqsa Masjid, doing their, um, doing their sujood, their, their um, uh, shukr, sorry, their sujood shukr. Sajjad you know, shukr, yeah. Sajjad shukr. And then, you know, yeah. my friend sending me, uh, Yasser in Gaza, sending me a wonderful, a long uh, WhatsApp voice note of, he said, this is my two rakats, shukr to Allah Ta'ala. And then Jimmy Jamal, my friend, uh, you know, just the streets being fooled and them laughing at the soldiers, laughing. Because just the day before, they'd been being beaten and, oh, you know, grudge. And now they're going, yeah, we're still here. You didn't move any of us, not one of us. So their victory is, you know, to, to, to exist is to resist. And the knowledge that they're standing together and giving each other strength and the knowledge and they that didn't, we're here. And they didn't turn yeah. their back onto the battlefield, right? They didn't turn yeah. their backs. Yeah. They are the defenders of Masjid Al-Aqsa, subhanAllah. The, you know, some of the Never most blessed blessing. people. Blessing. Um, I feel like also we've been hearing more voices from Palestine, like I can actually name people, do you know what I mean? Like in, in the past, mm. that wasn't always the case. Like young people, especially using social media, being very vocal, being very eloquent, speaking in English, etc. Mm. Um, so is that what your friends in Palestine were telling you is the reason why they were celebrating? The reason they're celebrating is, is because it, they feel that the pressure from around the world and internally has forced Israel's hand to stop the bombing. Now that doesn't wow, so mean they feel that, supported. They feel supported yeah. by us out here. Yeah, and they know so, that their voices, that, that that their arguments are winning. I mean, you know, what does Israel mm. walk away uh, walk away with? Uh, the shame of yes. being, you know, we we've had people around the world, millions and millions of people turning out for Palestine. Whole whole city centres brought to a standstill with joyful, mm. resistant cheering. And where has the, where have the pro-Israel marches been? Oh. And do you know why that is? Because the Human Rights Watch report and the Bet Selem, the Israeli human rights advocates uh, organization saying it is actually apartheid. Sorry, guys. Yeah, it kind of is. Yeah. In fact, not it kind of is. It really literally is bog standard apartheid and so they yeah. really haven't got anything to come back with and that's a big change by the grace of Allah um sister Lauren how do you see things progressing changing you know going forward because it feels like these things are cyclical and I mean we have these intense days of feeling so involved with this cause and then it's out of the news. <clears throat> it's out of our minds often, right? Until it fires up again. Um, two questions. One, how do you see this panning out now? Like if there has really been a, a sea change, how is that sea change now going to impact the uh, Palestinian resistance? And second, what should we here outside of Palestine, you know, all over the world, especially in the West, what do you think we should be doing constantly rather than only during times of, you know, yeah. when it's in the news? Uh, okay, a couple of things first and foremost. Mm. Uh, you, we're not all made to be activists all the time. We'd all have a breakdown. The people of Palestine have been chosen for this fight. They've got this. 
Um, so there will be a core outside in every country and every nation on earth who will be supporting them consistently, inshallah. And what, what those people ask is that everybody else support us. Don't run away. When somebody is accused of being an anti-Semite, say, hell no, anti-Zionist. Hell no, anti-Israeli apartheid. And we've got to have each other's backs. Don't scatter. No, don't be afraid anymore. The old arguments have fallen away. The truth is made apparent. And falsehood uh, has been made apparent. And so we are one ummah. And we are a people who must call to good and forbid evil. That's all you're expected to do. You know, to say to people, we got your back. And to say to the Palestinians, when you need us, you've got your two billion people here. You know, we've got you. And, you know, if you're going back to normal, let that normal be not buying Dior, not buying Puma. Pick three things off the BDS list. And I would say, this is just me, if you're thinking of going to Dubai, as long as they normalize with Israel, think again. Dubai is now running a sex trafficking holiday destination for Israelis. Do you really want to be putting your money into that right now? And I know there's people in the UAE who are pious. May Allah bless you and may Allah give you a voice. But to the regime, nah. Scrap Dubai for now. Let them feel it. And, so, and discourage all of the other nations, the Arab nations, who might be shamefully thinking about selling settlement products and encouraging um, uh, Israeli normalization off the table, inshallah. But you don't inshallah. have to do it all the time. You know, go back to your lives. It's okay. You know, this isn't, this isn't everybody's struggle all the time. But you've, we've got to have each other's backs and we've got to be consistent and we've got to boycott, divest and sanction. Right. And I, I would say... Keep our Palestinian brothers and sisters in your du'as. Keep Masjid al-Aqsa in your du'as, you know. And um, I think all of us, our life, I guess, our life's work, whatever it is that we do and whatever our talents are, has got to be to making, you know, the world a better place, to to reviving our deen, you know, um, to righting wrongs. And so all the work that we do aims towards that inshallah will also contribute towards this um so jazakallah khairan sister lauren is there anything else you want to add is there anything else you want to any message that yeah. you want to give uh, to our brothers and sisters educate your children show them maps with palestine on it mm. talk to them about how Absolutely. the prophet peace be upon him visited al-aqsa um there are wonderful wonderful booklets out there um available uh, that are worksheets to do with Al-Aqsa, to do with Palestine. You know, talk about it around the family table, you know, share the cuisine night, speak to, find, find Palestinian groups and, and twin your school with a school in, in Nablus or, or Bethlehem or, or, you know, Ramallah. There are things that you can do as a parent at the school, at, at the school where you're at, inshallah. And, uh, and speak to teachers as well and say, is there room on the curriculum for us to have a discussion about this? We can do it with a smile. It's perfectly legitimate. <laughs> To, to, to speak yeah. about uh, the world. If we're speaking about the world, can we do it this way, you know? Uh, be engaged. We're engaged people, inshallah ta'ala. And um, yeah, alhamdulillah, just uh, may Allah bless our brothers and sisters. And thank you. Thank you so much to, to Allah ta'ala for, for allowing us to have this great, great group of people who teach us our deen and teach us the real meaning of patience and steadfastness and iman. Yeah, in, in, uh, 
when when we react and we respond and we cry and make dua, it proves that we're still alive. Our hearts are still alive, right? As as an ummah, and uh, I think that's really powerful what you said about our children because I think one of the reasons why normalization probably occurs is because a new generation have completely lost the link, right? They've forgotten, they've forgotten the significance and they've forgotten the history, right? Or they're turning a blind eye to the history. So I think it's, it is really important, uh, not only to talk to our children about it, teach them the history, tell them the stories, take them there if you can, you know? Yeah. Um, let them feel that connection. For a lot of kids, this would have been the first time they ever heard of Palestine or they they heard about Masjid al aqsa right? You know what I want to mm. add here is I really hate it when I hear young people say, I really want to go to Gaza with this charity and do some work there. I want to go to Al-Aqsa and teach kids, but my parents won't let me go and they're Muslim parents. You know, as a, a, you know brothers and sisters, we love our children we have a duty of care, but when they're 18 and they're wanting to do good for the ummah, is it our is it our place to really stand in the way of that? We should be proud. I mean, I, I felt proud with my sons just going to the protests, you know, because I was like, subhanAllah, like, this is why we have kids. <laughs> you know, we want them to have a positive impact on the world. We want them to be awake. We want them to be contributing to positive change and when our kids do good deeds and when they do good things we as parents are rewarded for that right um, you know there's a beautiful dua for our children uh, that uh, oh Allah bestow upon us from our spouses and our children mm. the coolness of our eyes make them the coolness of our eyes and make us leaders of the God conscious make us leaders of the God conscious mm. and in the in the explanation mm. of that dua it says in the explanation of that dua it says what it means by the coolness of your eyes is that make our children active make them pious make them servants of allah in such a way that when we see them when we see them worshiping allah when we see them doing good when we see them on those protests when we see them standing up for the truth it gives us this immense happiness right in our hearts yeah. so jazakallah khairan uh, sister lauren we make dua for our brothers and sisters in yeah. gaza and in palestine uh, we make dua that ya allah give them patience, give them steadfastness. Um, and Ya Allah, forgive us for our shortcomings, you know, mm. as an ummah and help us to revive ourselves uh, and our leadership um, and help us to do right by them. By the way, uh, Sister Lauren, what, you know, when you see the decimation in Gaza, mm. what happens after that? Like, I saw that the Israelis were advertising that they sent all this aid. <laughs> I thought, oh my God. So Wait, saying what, saying what, saying what? Uh, that they're, they're, they were showing like these trucks full of aid and medical aid and it's like adding insult to injury, right? But um, they were kind of saying, well, look, look at how humanitarian we are. We're bringing all these supplies to the Gaza Strip. And, but I was just thinking, what happens to the buildings? What happened? Like, how do they rebuild their lives 
after these terrible very really really slowly really slowly you know kata plays pays for a lot of it but it can it takes years to come in the you know the the un 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 has has been critical since after cast led and um the other one in 2014 the absolute decimation which was like three hiroshima bombs uh, equivalent on the Gaza Strip, thousands and thousands of tons and whole districts gone. I mean, it's like, you know, going to North London and North London's gone. And then you only allow a certain type of stone in every second Wednesday. Well, it's going to take a while, you know. So the, so the misery goes on. And I, I even think there are still people um, who haven't been rehoused from 2014. Yeah. So, so it's not a generous act. The, the generous, just open the borders. Mm -hmm. The borders, and if it's about security, by the way, that you've shut, sealed the borders, why, why can't the Palestinians, um, you know, um, sell their strawberries and their tulips? Is is a tulip a deadly weapon now? It's not. It's an economic blockade to destroy uh, the will of a people to to stay where they are and to have their own system and to demand their rights. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's the reality of the blockade. Um, yeah. mm. And it feels like it's there just to squeeze and squeeze and squeeze, just yeah. cause the Palestinians to just give up. And You know, the really what? sad thing is that there is a spike in suicides. That I, One of the saddest stories in all this horror, horror movie this yeah. month has been um, of a young man and Hassan, I think his name was. And at nine years old, he saw his brother killed by a missile as they were playing together. And then I think at 10, he saw his sister killed by a missile. And at 13, his father was killed. And last week, his mother was killed in an Israeli missile and he killed himself. He committed suicide. forgive um, him and grant him I mean, subhanAllah, I can't imagine, you know, the effect that such devastation can have. I do think, I do think we have, we have um, a right as well to demand of international Jewish communities, um, where's your voice against the murder of children? Do you know, yeah. do, do you condemn Israel um, for the death of uh, this family? And I think... Um, I think that strong voice needs to come forward as well. Um, and it, I feel like well. it's begun to hmm? this time round. It, it felt this time round like it had started to. Yeah. You know, more prominent Jewish people were more vocal. It felt like, I don't know. No, you're right. Maybe not enough. It's still a very small amount, mm. really. But you know what? The the people who are almost victimized the most are are uh, anti-Zionist Jews. They really are very brave. Oh yeah, they really commend you know them when they when they break cover and say you're not my national state. Uh, Netanyahu is not my leader. Um, I'm, I'm I live in I live in America. I live in Canada, and this is my home. And, and I definitely don't support the bloodthirsty um, work that you're doing. And there's some wonderful lectures out there. And I really do recommend that people look up anti-Zionist Jews. Um, just put it into Google and look at some of the, um, you know, go for some of the scholars and go for some of the longer talks by rabbis. Mm. 
have your eyes open. Spend, About the spend, theology behind it as well, right? Shush, shush. We've yeah. been doing it here in my house the last the last week, and it was like I thought I had a kind of handle on this stuff, and I knew nothing. And uh, the deeper yeah. you get, the more incredible, you know. Um, yeah. Subhanallah, and I think it's worth also mentioning that, you know, the idea of a promised land and the idea of um, the land of Moses and Jesus and, well, they wouldn't say Jesus, but Moses and David and, you know, I, I saw Jihadi Jew, you know, Jihadi Jew, uh, Lee Weissman, he's online. Okay, he's, <laughs> yeah, you've got to look him up on Twitter. Okay. Jihadi Jew. <laughs> he's, he's, he's cool. Um, he uh, was getting a lot of flack from people, you know, from Jewish people, uh, from Zionists. Yeah. Um, and he said, brother, he said to, I, I saw his responses, you know, and he was saying, the promise from God is not unconditional, right? <laughs> that's one of the key things he kept saying, you know, and I was thinking to myself, subhanAllah, that's exactly what the Quran says, right? That yeah, yeah. Allah did promise, and we believe that the Bani, Bani Israel were the original believers, right? The Muslims, they were, the, they were Muslims. And, <clears throat> and it's worth mentioning that Muslims, we are the natural heirs of the prophets. We are the natural heirs of Moses. Uh, when uh, when the Jewish people rejected Prophet Jesus, السلام, that was the end. That was the end of the covenant with God, right? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, put prophethood in the lineage of the children of Ismail after that, right? And that's why the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam came. We are the natural heirs of Sulaiman alaihi salam, right? Uh, and all of the prophets, and we believe in the Prophet Jesus alaihi salam. We believe in the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi We believe in all of the prophets without distinction, right? So, um, this idea that the land was promised—it's promised to the believers. It was promised yeah. to those who. Follow mm -hmm. the Prophet of God and don't reject any yeah. of the prophets. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know, that's, that's why the thing. That is the absolute definition. It's 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 no more complicated uh, than that. And actually, it's incredible when you speak to the 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 the, the real Torah Jews or the Natera Carta um, mm. brothers. That they are they're very clear. They're like, this is not our time, and it can't be because um, we've been driven out because of our disobedience to God. And you're like, you hear so much of the Quran in their speak. It's like, whoa. Mm. The Quran also says that that they know their book. You know, the people who know their book, you know, they, and, and uh, also speaks about the Jews who are blessed by God to this day, who are praying in the night and and, and doing the right thing. So they so they exist amongst us, you know, subhanAllah. And that's, mm. that's kind of cool. I like that. I like that. Yeah, you're still here. You're still doing it. You know, and it's hard because it's hard holding on to a creed for 6,000 years or 3,000 years. You know, if 1,400 years, thanks be to Allah, uh, we've been blessed with the Quran with, with, no, with, no, um, with no alterations. But we as people have altered and we have sectionalized. And it's difficult for us even with the Quran. But if you've been going 3,000 years, Rina, hats off to you. Hats off to you guys. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us. Do you have any end message that you'd like to leave with? 
free Palestine, free Palestine, la ilaha illallah. We, we're going to do this because Allah has written it so and he's made our people strong. May Allah bless you. Our shaheed are in heaven and uh, our people are doing well. Don't worry. Stay strong. Stay blessed. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Jazakillah khairan, sister Lauren. Assalamu alaikum. So, dear brothers and sisters, subhanAllah, make dua for our brothers and sisters in Palestine. They are the protect the protectors of Bashar al-Aqsa. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed them with that. And I want to say to you, my brothers and sisters in Palestine, we are with you. We are with you. We are part of the resistance. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you. May Allah bless you. And may he grant you patience. May he grant you steadfastness. You are our role models. Uh, dear brothers and sisters, please share this episode with others. Alhamdulillah, we reached a milestone, 100,000 podcast downloads, I believe. So, um, and that's with your help, right? So please spread the word, spread these positive messages, uh, these inspiring messages that we try to share uh, with you. Um, and with that, I will bid you farewell again. Jazakumullahu uh, khairan. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh